This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good morning and welcome back. I'm Jake Berry and you're with Talk TV. Today, we're asking you at home, is social media making our kids killers? This, of course, comes after the appalling reporting and coverage that we've seen of this tragic murder of, uh, of this young woman, Brianna Jai, and a lot of the motivation, so we learnt in that courtroom, for those two unnamed uh, boy and girls, both teenagers, 15 years old, was all harvested from social media. So as a parent, like me, are you concerned about what your kids may be accessing? Are they going on the dark web? Do you even know what the dark web is? Is social media destroying our society? and making our kids killers. That's why we want to hear from you today with all of your views here on Talk TV. You can give me a call on 0344 499 1000, text on 87222, or tweet us on x at Talk TV. Joining me now to run through all of the top stories is Head of News at the News Movement, Becca Hudson, and former Senior Military Intelligence Officer, Philip Ingram. Thank you so much for joining us today. Look, we've got to start by talking about this case of Brianna Jai. Now, I don't know about you, I've been reading the papers, and it's been quite emotional, because mm. it it's really, really difficult to read what this poor young girl went through, subject to this completely uh, vicious attack, being stabbed 28 times. But as difficult as it is even for us to talk about it, let alone for her mother and father and the people who knew to live through it. We've got to talk about it because it's just dominating the papers. Um, Becca, I mean, I presume you, like me, have just been very, very distressed to read about this appalling murder. Yeah, I mean, you, you say it perfectly, you know, that frenzied attack that that poor young girl was subjected to. And I think actually yesterday, seeing the parents outside the court, her mother and her father, you know, speaking with such kind of dignity and I just and the strength that they must have had to stand outside that court and sort of pay tribute to their daughter I thought I, I thought was some of the most emotional part mm. of the whole the whole case I think you know hearing the kind of horrific attack that she was subjected to the, the horrific messages that were being exchanged the note that was left that detailed 
you know, what they were going to do to her, um, the, the forensic level of planning that went into it. But I just think, yeah, the, those two parents who are kind of going into Christmas, which should be the happiest time of year, um, you know, with her missing and, and having those Christmases stolen from them forever, I think I think is unforgivable. Um, and I think you made a, re a really valid point about kind of what has contributed to yeah. this and the rise of social media, the, the unregulated use of the dark web and the, the sort of transphobic uh, discourse that exists in lots of parts of society that no doubt has contributed, you know, to the awful killing of that young girl. Let's look what the uh, what Cheshire Police had to say outside the courtroom following the guilty verdicts. This was a senseless murder committed by two teenagers who had an obsession with murder, whose only motivation in killing Brianna was to experience what this would be like. Brianna was a teenager whose whole life was ahead of her. She went out on that Saturday thinking she was going to meet a friend. The fact that she suffered with anxiety and was vulnerable was something that, which both defendants preyed upon. Philip, I mean, what we've learned about this from the reporting today is the hate that fueled this horrific, vicious, senseless murder was harvested from 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 the internet mm -hmm. by these two 15-year-old... I mean, they're children. These two yeah, they are, children. They are children. Does that really concern you about this ability of the internet to fuel this sort of this hate frenzy against... The, there's, there's, there's two things that come out of that. One, the hate that there is in society. You know, there's so much hate bubbling up to the surface everywhere. And, you know, the interconnection of society through the internet, through social media channels and everything else is fueling it. Um, and what concerns me enormously is that... Um, this is only the beginning of it because that interconnectivity, the things that are being encouraged on, you say the dark web, but a lot of this is being encouraged well, on the, the, the surface web, um, on social media channels. You don't have to get into the dark web to do it. Um, and there are other people that are out there um, that are self-initiating themselves in the same way that terrorists have done as well. And it's horrible. And we've, of course, heard from Esther Jai, Brianna's mother, who... In, a, in an unbelievable way, and I have such admiration for people who can do this, has taken this most appalling hurt and the horrendous thing that's happened to her and her family and sort of made it positive by going around and engaging with young people across the UK, really, about looking after each other, treating each other with compassion. You've got to like, have huge admiration for someone who can take such a negative thing and turn it into a positive. It's absolutely astounding. You know, you would be, she would be totally forgiven for kind of, kind of crumbling yeah. and, you know, and just never, you know, and not wanting to engage with the outside world ever again. But I think, like you say, to take this incredible hurt and then actually try and use it to prevent this happening again um, is, is a remarkable example to us all. And I think, you know, the ad there aren't words that are big enough to describe the admiration mm. and the courage that that requires. Philip, you know, these are remarkably rare, these children killing children. I can think about the ones I remember, of course, the appalling murder of James Bolger, James in, Bolger. In, in, yeah. in, in Liverpool, uh, the appalling murder of Sophie Lancaster, which took place mm -hmm. in my constituency in the town of, just outside the town of Bacup in a park, mm. um, and, and now, of course, this case. Do you think it is because these cases are so rare that they get correctly such media attention? I think the horrific nature of them brings them to the, oh. the media attention and the rarity is a, is a contributing factor. Um, my concern is that because of the nature of this and because of the publicity it's got, um, you know, unless there's some way of seeking closure, and I don't know how the family's ever going to seek closure, but you know, the society getting a degree of closure as well, um, the 
perpetrators are going to be hounded forever. The family is going to suffer oh. from hounding forever. It'll be interesting to see if the well, individuals are named. They, they haven't been named. We, we should find out later this morning whether they're going to be named. But, of course, one of the James Bolger's killers came up for parole recently, mm -hmm. and that parole was refused um, for, for all, all sorts of reasons. But what was striking about that James Bolger murder, which I remember, everyone will remember so well, is the fact that the killers showed no remorse. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that was the case again with Brown Ajay, that uh, the, the killers showed no remorse whatsoever. That, that yeah. must be so hard for the family to comprehend. Extremely hard for the family. And you know, it shows you a flaw in different characters, and it's trying to understand yeah. you know, what, what has caused that. And I think, you've, as a society, we need to recognise that um, there's some people will never be able to be rehabilitated, and therefore we should not be afraid to put people into prison and keep them away from society forever. You know, I was shocked that Venables came up for parole. I know the rules say he has to, but mm. there should be a rule if someone, if something is so horrific and crosses the line that little bit further. And, of course, there's only one sentence for murder in this country. It's life imprisonment. You know, life doesn't mean life, and we hear about uh, people coming up for parole. Becca, any, any sort of feeling about how long do you think is an appropriate punishment for someone to be locked up for a crime of this severity? It's, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because I think they are also incredibly young, and this is not to make any kind of excuse or, uh, or anything for, for what they've done, but to be so attracted to the kind of content that they were watching on the internet, to have these conversations. I mean, what yeah. earth was happening to these kids at home? Like, I just, I'm, I don't understand how people can be so brutalised. Same with the, with the killers mm -hmm. in the Bolger case. Like, mm -hmm. to fantasise and think about this stuff, I think it, it raises huge problems, whether it's societal, whether it's going on the internet or what's going on in their home. But very, like, very clearly, you know, these two people should, should, not, see, should not enjoy an adult life. They stole it from Brianna mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. in, and in turn, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to, to enjoy well, what it. Are, one of the things I found really interesting reading the coverage today is that actually both uh, Girl X and Boy Y, Boy Y is diagnosed with autism, mm. Girl X has autistic tendencies which were brought out in her medical report. And, you know, we haven't re really understood... I mean, my son's autistic, so it really sort of spoke to me, but we haven't really understood, you know, what, what the interplay... I mean, there's no excuse, obviously, for mm. this, but I think over time, hopefully, they will get treatment mm. uh, to try and find out what motivates them to just commit this appalling and senseless mm. crime. It's just such an awful story for us to mm. have to talk about here on Talk TV on the run-up to Christmas. Um, on the issuing issue of sentencing, Philip... Uh, Suella Braverman has been at it again, I think we can say. <laughs> Suella's, Suella's at Suella. it again. Um, <laughs> no, I, I always think about Suella. It's a great article she's written today in the Daily Telegraph about people not being sentenced. Well, guess what? I actually agree with you, Suella. If only you'd been in a position to do something about <laughs> it. Oh, hold on. Uh, yeah, Suella Braverman, the former Home Secretary. But... I always find when people leave government, they become a lot more sensible very, very quickly. Exactly the same thing happened to me following my two run relatively brief jaunts in the Cabinet. I, you can actually say what you want. Um, Philip, what, what do you think of what Suella's suggesting here? She's suggesting five strikes and you're out, to show uh, no, that she's I... never watched a game of baseball. But... <laughs> well, exactly. But, no, I agree with her. Um, and it's a pity that she didn't bring this up when she was Home Secretary because you know, there are a relatively small percentage of individuals that are creating most of the disruption in the, in the criminal world, whether they be fueled by drugs or criminal gangs or whatever. And the police are having to use more resources on a small number of people to try and you know, keep arresting them and processing them. But and does them it, doesn't that sort of speak to what do we think prison is for, though? Because if, if we know there's a very small percentage of people who are, you know, 5% are creating 90% of the crime, say, and I'm just making those figures up, but it, it is something not massively dissimilar to that. Um, 
why don't we just lock them up and throw away the key? Wouldn't society be better? Well, I think that's what she's almost saying. With well, the, for, yeah, with the five strikes. Not lock and throw away the key. Um, uh, but you know, I think you bring out a, uh, your bigger question there. What is prison for? And it should be about all about... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Rehabilitation. And if individuals are going in um, not being rehabilitated mm. before they're released back into society again and they're committing the same, the same crimes, then you know, it's not just a problem with... Um, the, 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 the legal justice system's problem with the prison system and rehabilitation and what so, goes on so in there. I, I agree with resources. you. I don't, I, well, sorry, I disagree with you. I don't think it should all be about rehabilitation. It's hugely important. I think it should be about punishment as well. And if you think of, you know, people who've committed horrendous crimes like the one we were just discussing earlier, I think the P British public want people to be punished. I think prison, prisons, Becca, should be as much about punishment as rehabilitation. Well, I think they are, aren't they? I mean, you know, the kind of degradation of your human rights, the, you know, being in prison, I think, is, is, is punishment. And then also, those, you know, what happens to you if you ever are released from prison? You know, there's a huge amount of, of you know, you are hugely tarnished, there's a huge amount of stigma attached to it. I mean, I think, you know, one of the reasons that, we, that this is even a policy is because the prison estate has been so badly invested in it. You know, we do not have enough space in our prisons to house people. We also don't have enough investment to turn it into a place of rehabilitation because the idea of writing off everyone that commits a crime as someone who then can't be of value to society, um, it is a huge failing on mm. behalf of the justice system. And it's not, um, you know, to, to take a lenient uh, position on, 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 criminal, on, on criminal activity, and especially the case that we've been discussing earlier. But, you know, for people who are going in and committing crimes because of kind of economic reasons, mental health, they, there should be support for them to get them back into society. Yeah, yeah, but if you're a victim of that crime, you want that person to be punished. So mm. it's not always yeah. as sort of extreme as 
uh, as murder, but you know, even if someone robs you, if someone breaks into your house, I want them sent to yeah, prison. Absolutely, but we also then don't want that person to go on and recommit and, and that rob offense. you again. Rob you again, or go into prison and learn, you know, a, a more hardened crime. But isn't that kind of what Swell is picking up on? Is that you know, there is people do commit multiple crimes, and prison obviously isn't enough of a disincentive on its own. Do you think you people would? Sort of thought, well, you know, I've broken into someone's house four times, then I'm really going to go away for a long time next time. Would stop them doing it? Or do you think she's right? I, I think that the reason that people commit crimes isn't just that they're kind of bad people. There are so many contributing factors. You know, we know that people, you know, education, mental health, addiction issues, socioeconomic pressures. You know, if you're a woman, you're normally committing crimes because you're trying to feed your family or because you're in an abusive relationship. There are so many complicated reasons why people offend. Um, and I think kind of approaching everything with this yeah, but kind most of Yeah, pe most people in society do manage to get by without committing serious crimes. Yeah, thank heavens. But for the majority, for the minority of people that do, there needs mm. to be some... It can't all be stick, stick, stick the whole time, I would say. Right. <laughs> may, 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 maybe if Suella gets back in charge, it'll be stick, stick, stick. <laughs> oh, I think that'll stick, yeah. You get the fifth stick. Um, let's talk about Keir Starmer. Philip, he's on a visit to Estonia. Actually, quite a nice story was in The Standard saying yep. how him and uh, John Healy going out thanking troops for their extraordinary uh, work that they do on behalf of our nation. A really good thing to do at Christmas time, actually, and we've got to think about people who are on deployment, not with their family this Christmas. Mm -hmm. Really nice for them to get senior politicians. I don't think they care which party they're from. They just like being appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, but do you think there's a specific reason why he's chosen Estonia rather than... Cyprus or anywhere else in the world? Um, well, Estonia is where, where there's a British-led multinational battle group. You know, it's on the front of where NATO is focused at the moment because Estonia borders onto Russia. Uh -huh. So it's, it's sending you that message. And he's, he's put out a statement um, uh, supporting um, the, our, our approach to Russia at the moment and saying that um, you know, it's, it's still one of the biggest, th biggest threats. So it's the right place to go. And it's where we've got you know, heavy armour and heavy... Um, uh, army capability deployed, and it, it allows them then to meet some of the multinational partners that are there as well. And he's been really, really clear about his commitment to NATO, Becca, which mm -hmm. I think speaks to that attack line that was put out against Jeremy Corbyn. No one ever really knew where he stood in it because he'd campaigned for years to leave and then he wanted to remain in it. And I think that really cut through with the British public. Is Keir Starmer sort of trying to get the barnacles off the boat? Or I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of, this couldn't be a kind of more stark kind of visual difference, could it, to the Corbyn era? You know, him out there visiting the troops, it almost looks prime ministerial, dare I say. Um, but, you know, yeah, the Corbyn line on NATO, the Corbyn line on Russia was confusing and embarrassing. You know, the response to the Skripal activity mm -hmm. in, um, you know, in Salisbury where he wouldn't condemn Russia. You know, this is Keir wants, Starmer. Like, this reminds us. He wanted the British government to send the sample of poison yeah. to Russia to allow the Russians to test it. Because sure, they would have told the truth, wouldn't they? They, you know, they just tried to murder someone on <laughs> the streets of yeah. Britain. They're our trusted partners, according to Jeremy yeah. Corbyn. Um, Keir Starmer's moving away from that, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah, very much, very much. And I, and I think this is literally a visual representation of that, and just shows how far he has come in changing the Labour Party from the, from the Corbyn era. So he wants everyone to know how tough he's going to be on Ukraine, but no mention of the. Israel-Hamas conflict. It's a bit more problematic for him, isn't it, Philip? It's very problematic for him because he's you're not getting a lot of support from across his party and um, not just in Parliament, but you know, the, the local councils and there's a large number of individuals have um, removed themselves from the Labour Party because of his stance and not condemning um, Israel's activities. Um, but you know, he is, again, trying to put himself out as, as this international statesman. He's, mm. he's following what the international community is doing 
Um, he's, he's making all the right calls and calling for a cessation of hostilities. But like most of the other international leaders, they're not coming up with many proposals as to what you put in place to try and make sure that this doesn't happen again. Becca, the best, the best leaders, do they always follow? Do the best leaders always... <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I, I, he, he kind of got it wrong at the beginning, didn't he? Because he went really hard and really fast on, you know, with the interview with LBC where he said, you know, that Israel could kind of do what they want in, you know, in retaliation to those awful attacks on October 7th. And now this is, a, this is very tricky for him and he's obviously lost some great back benches. Um, uh, he lost some of his front bench, didn't he, um, over, the, over, the, over the vote. Um, so, yeah, a little more quiet on that, but very tough on Russia, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so, I mean, that's what he wants us all to uh, think about this Christmas. Um... But actually, staying on that issue, Becca, mm. of course, Hamas has released figures saying 20,000 people, mm. not necessarily all civilians, but 20,000 people have, is now the death toll mm. in Gaza. That's also, at the same time, we're seeing a bit of a pivot, both from the United Kingdom, Germany and America, and Keir Starmer, mm. I'm sure, are on, the, on their position in relation to this conflict. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... You know, I think everyone agreed at the beginning, and it probably still does, that Israel has the right for a purport to, you know, defend itself proportionately against the heinous attacks of October 7th. Um, but I think, you know, if we've got a death toll of circa 20,000, obviously their, their numbers put out by the um, Palestinian but even authority... even if it's half that, even, right? Exactly, I mean, 10,000, it's You know, it's this huge. is now becoming... You know, this is now, you know, kind of completely disproportionate. And I think we're all just now waiting for Joe Biden, who, you know, who will set the tone for Israel's response, you know, when, when they finally have this next UN vote. It was postponed again last night. Um, but I think the big question is, what happens next? You know, mm. what is the gate? What's the plan here? Like, you raise Gaza to the floor, you raise... Uh, what, what's the plan? And how do you guarantee that... So there's no plan cases? for peace, Philip. No. There's, there's no plan for long-term peace. And, you know, again, looking at these figures, they come out from Hamas themselves, whether they come out from the UN, International Committee of the Red Cross, or whatever, they get their figures from Hamas. Now, um, Hamas is about 20,000, 25,000 strong, figures disputed, um, and Israel's saying they're going to destroy Hamas. So you would expect large numbers of, of people to be dead. According to Hamas, most of these... Um, casualties are women and children. There's none of their fighters have been declared in it, which is just wrong. Um, uh, but Israel itself is saying that there's you know, between one and two civilians dying for every Hamas fighter. 85% of the Gazan population is currently displaced, yeah. according yeah. to... And, and, then, and this is where proportionality comes the, into the, the, it. There's um, no question, I think, in anyone's mind, whether it's 20,000 or 10,000, that the impact on ordinary Gazans, many of whom won't support Hamas, some mm -hmm. will, of course, mm -hmm. but many of whom won't, has been... Huge, and I think this is driving this international pressure. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and there needs to be something that's put on the table. It's it's all well and good having a ceasefire, but when one side is stated aim is still well, the destruction there was a ceasefire of ceasefire on October the sixth. Yes, it? but there wasn't anything then to allow it to develop uh, into longer term negotiation. There's no end. No, no. What I mean is, before there, there'd been a long term oh, ceasefire. Yes, up, before up that, until yeah, up, up, up until Hamas decided to come yeah, across the border and murder, so. and murder Jewish people. And, and, and there was a long term plan developing then with the thawing of relationship with Saudi Arabia yeah. and UAE and elsewhere. Iran didn't want that, and you know, Iran backs Hamas. So you, a lot of this is being controlled elsewhere. Mm. That's why we're seeing the Houthis coming in and the attacks on American interests in Syria and Iraq and elsewhere. Mm. And it, it's, it's really hard to say, isn't it? But we constantly talk about this sort of axis of authoritarianism, Russia, Iran, China. We, we had someone on the show earlier this week and uh, I said to him, do you think we are now fighting World War III but we just don't call it that yet? What do you think? 
Gosh, I mean, what a, what a desperate thought. Um, I mean, I, 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 I think quite accurate, though. Yeah, may, may, maybe. And I think you're right. I think that kind of what's happening here is this is this kind of proxy war, basically, between Iran and Iran. And it's playing out with two and a half million people who have got nowhere else to go, mm. you know, with absolutely no aid and, and no plan. Um, and so I, I think... Maybe, all right. I'd love to think that it wasn't. But that's why we need to have these strong positions. That's why the US needs to stop slightly equivocating on this stuff. And we need to de-escalate the situation because if, if Iran becomes increasingly inflamed, that, that is not a good thing for the world. So we sort of need the whole thing to de-escalate and Biden, you know, would play a key role in that. Yeah, and Philip, um, do you think we'll see a de-escalation early in the new year? Um, it all depends what happens from uh, Yemen next. I think we'll, we'll see a ceasefire coming into Gaza. I think the, the push and the international pressure on Israel is such that that will happen. How they're then going to make that um, uh, stay with you know, Hamas's position still to destroy Israel um, and, 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 murder uh, uh, and, and murder all of the Jews, you know, that's not a good starting point for any negotiations. And uh, Israel itself needs to um, you know, take more care in the West Bank and start to look at a wider Palestinian solution. So I suppose if we were hopeful, we could say what we may see is a wholesale re-engagement by the international community to try and moderate the behaviour of everyone in the region. Let's hope that we see that coming.